Trump falls on it. That will be it. They've defended their title. They are still the champions and the first in a united competition since and had six great years with the Roosters. We sat down with Moz at his local pub, The Cock, to chat about his remarkable career. So sit back and enjoy this special Retro Rooster episode, the one and only Adrian Morley. Well, Roosters fans, hello and welcome to the north of England. And Silky, it's not a scoop because he's one of the greatest guys we've uh, imported to Australia. He's certainly one of our favourite Roosters the fans know him as the toughest front rower we've probably produced. The opposition knew him as someone to avoid and fear, but we know him as one of the greatest blokes we've also met off the field. We're at the cock, he's local, and uh, fittingly named after the emblem he wore in his jersey, so proudly. Yeah, well, there's other reasons, but Moz, welcome. The great Adrian Morley, welcome to Roosters Radio. Thank you, thanks for having us. It's quite ironic that we sit here in a, in your local, the cock, uh, just down the road from where you live, and... Uh, I believe Friday night is fight night here uh, at your local mosque. It's a bit of a rough, uh, rough and tumble pub. This it is. Uh, it's rough and ready, and uh, yeah, it's quite fittingly known as as the cock. It's uh, yeah, it welcomes uh, anyone. Anyone in the cock is more than welcome. But you're right; it does uh, does tend to get a bit bit rowdy on a Friday night. But uh, but it's great. You know, this is uh, it's quite the affluent area of Salford. This is worse. Like I grew up in the in the in the real rough part, but this is worse. That's supposed to be the uh, the nice part of Salford and, uh, you know, all the, all the uh, woodland and the worst in Marriott, it's all very nice. But the cock does tend to get a few uh, uh, different characters in, shall we say. Moz, it's lovely to look around and see that it also, you know, it's very gender diverse. I mean, there's a lot of ladies that love the cock here and, uh, you know, enjoying their lunch. It is a great part of the North of England. I'm very proud of, uh, you know, coming from Salford. And even when I played at Leeds, which is 40 miles away, I, I stayed in the area and used to travel every day. Warrington, when I come back from Australia, it's only a 15 mile road, so it's not so bad. But again, still lived in Salford and uh, very, very proud of that. You know, it's only uh, a stone's throw from Old Trafford, big Man United fan growing up. But obviously, there's, you know, rugby league in, in the Salford, uh, Red Devils and rugby union in Sales Shark. So it's uh, it's got it all going on in Salford. Moz, uh, it's only fitting we sit here in the north of England, uh, you know, with you. Some of the people here are known as the best people in the world. There's such a rich history. Um, of rugby league, but in such a powerful uh, soccer or you know football town, um, how did you end up playing rugby league? So growing up, I used to play for the club. I, my my dream at, at the time was to play for Man United, but it wasn't until I went to high school that's when they played rugby league and football. But 
first thing I did was put my name down for the for the football side and put my name down for the rugby side as a rugby league side as a bit of an afterthought really. But then the the footy season, the foot, rugby league season was before the football one. They had my first game of rugby league. I just thought this is it for me. This is just organised violence. You can uh, beat people up in this sport and not get in trouble. So it suited me a lot more than than football and um, sorry soccer. You you guys call football soccer and vice versa, but suited suited me a lot. You know the the sport suited me a lot more than um, than soccer and um, so that was it. Then I had a new love in my life and uh, I joined a club. I calls and the rest is history. Moz, you got a few siblings. Uh, you just talked about it was uh, you know the violent side of rugby league is something that you enjoyed. What about growing up with with your brothers? Uh, did you get the blue one often at home? We did, and uh, me being the youngest of three boys, I was always on the on the wrong end of a of a good hiding. But when I when I grew up and um, you know filled out and become a man, you know they, they, they seemed to stop stop <laughs> taking the mickey and uh, the stop <laughs> the abuse stop. But then every time I pull my bike when we had a, when we had a drink, they say, "Well, it made the, you the man you are today, so you should be grateful to us for uh, for picking on you." Oh, they're claiming, all that. <laughs> yeah, they're claiming <laughs> that. Yeah, they're claiming that. Yeah, so that's, that's right. Yeah. Moz, uh, you know, going to the Super League, what are some of your earliest and fondest memories, you know, as a as a young man coming through? You know, you're a Man United f- uh, fan with dreams of playing football. Um, you end up a rugby league superstar. But, you know, what was your, some of your earlier thoughts and where did you, ki- where did you kick off? Well, I, I didn't think it was good enough, uh, you know, because if you would have looked at my amateur career, it certainly wouldn't have shown what I did achieve in the professional game. So uh, I didn't have much confidence in my ability uh, I got an opportunity to sign for, for Leeds, which I was surprised at that because apart from the great Wigan side at the time, Leeds were one of the best teams in the land. I had an, an offer from Swinton and an offer from Lee. And uh, I thought that was probably about my level as well. You know, still getting paid for playing, but oh, one of the one of the lesser clubs. Anyway, uh, we had a player called Nathan McAvoy who went on to have a great professional career. He was our best player. All the clubs wanted to sign Nathan, but when they come down looking at him, it gave the rest of us a chance to show what we could do. And um, Leeds, you know, they come down looking at Nathan in this final we made and they said, we come looking at McAvoy, but we like what we're seeing you, Adrian, we want to talk about signing. So it all happened really quick. I was only uh, seven, uh, 16 year old. So that was on the Sunday afternoon, Tuesday night. The great Dougie Lawton come to our house to talk about, you know, this professional contract. And then on the Thursday evening, I went to Headingley with my dad and, and signed this three year contract. And how old were you when you debuted? Because you were still quite young, weren't you? Yeah, so I signed on my on my seventeenth birthday, and then um, my first year I was there. I played about half the year in the academy, which is the under nineteens. I only played about six A team games. And then I got an opportunity to play uh, first team under Dougie. That was against Hull on on Good Friday, and I get, yeah, I was only seventeen year old, still really skinny, still still had these um, you know nerves and you know obviously doubting my ability and then uh played played the game it went really well and then it was pretty much a, a regular in, in the first team after that was what's the flicking confidence you know for our roosters fans to listen to this and they will in in great numbers no one could imagine an unconfident young adrian morley you always had that x factor you always had that confidence you're a you're a leader you were the king of the jungle when you're in the, in the roosters um, what was the transition for you to to get that confidence? Well, it was it was probably uh, probably the first twelve games of first team I played. I was always thinking, I feel like a fraud here. They're going to find me out. I'm going to get dropped for next week. And then after twelve games, there wasn't no defining moment. But I think it was just the the support and encouragement me me you know fellow first team um, teammates show me you know encouragement off my dad you know saying you played well and that. And after twelve games. 
it was sort of like the penny dropped and I thought, you know what? I deserve to be here. This is, this is me now. And then there was, since, since getting, getting the right mindset, there was a, a dramatic improvement in my uh, performances after that. And then, you know, the, the following year, I was getting spoke about as a, as a future international. And, uh, but it, it was amazing, you know, because first 12 games, the confidence was low, but then it's, it's a hard, um, it's an hard thing to, to, to describe, but since since getting released, thinking, you know, I deserve to be here, you know, the, the shackles were off and it just, it was all plain sailing after that. As a young Rooster fan listening to this who uh, is going to play in the forwards, the front row in particular, uh, you know, how, how important is that level of confidence in yourself to be able to go forward and then take the great steps that you've taken oh, in your professional career? It's massive, you know, you need to have confidence in your, in your ability and, uh, you know, when you take the field, you need to, you need to have the mindset that I'm, you know, I'm here for a reason. I'm I'm the best on this field, and uh, one a big influence on me on my career was was Bar- Barry McDermott, who, who uh, played with the, the Leeds Rhinos. And uh, I remember I was only young. This was probably in that 12 game period where I was second row, Barry was front row, and we we packed down. And Barry he just snarled at the opposing front row, and none of the front row would look at him. And I just thought that's that's respect. That that's because the because the because the shit scared of him really, and I just thought, you know, I want I want a bit of that, you know. Uh, so I made it my goal then to 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 plow out this, uh, you know, this respect from from my opponents. Moza, uh, you then move uh, pretty at a young age into an international career. I mean, you must pinch yourself to think as a young man, you know, you all of a sudden, one minute you're at school deciding whether it's soccer or rugby league, next minute you're signing with Leeds, next minute you're not sure whether you should be in the team. Next minute you are on the team, and then all of a sudden you're an English international. Yeah, it was a dramatic rise, you know, to to international recognition, and it was it was fantastic. I remember the week before I played for England, I went to France with the Great Britain Academy, and I represented Great Britain Academy over there in France, and uh, I scored three tries. Actually, the only time I've scored three tries, in, uh, the only time I've scored three tries as a professional. But um, yeah, Phil Lowe was actually at, he was the current Great Britain. Uh, team manager but he come and helped the academy out and I think Phil Lowe had a word with um, Phil Larder who was the coach at the time and um, yeah we, we, we come back and um, I got I got the I got the call saying um, you know come up to the to the full England squad which was uh, which was fantastic you know it was certainly earlier than I would have thought but just being part of the the squad and the setup I, I loved every minute of it because since taking rugby league seriously you know, I used to watch Salford, but for me, Great Britain was the be-all and end-all, uh, you know, England and, and representing your country. So to get an, an opportunity to do that at 19-year-old was uh, was fantastic. Moz, you, you have a standout um, international career at, at a young age and you start uh, piquing the interest of a few uh, NRL clubs. Can you talk a little bit about how that how that came about? Yeah, well, Graham Murray was, was my coach at the... Uh, the lead rhinos for two years 98 and 99 and i got on fantastically well with graham he was he was great for for me personally but also great for for the leeds team and under graham we, we made the inaugural grand final in 98 didn't quite get the win but the following year we went down to wembley and played in a, in a chance cup final and got the win uh under graham but at the end of that year I, I toured australia with great britain and we played the aussies up in brisbane uh, we got a good idea actually left the aussies but i played well and the great Arthur Beatson come up to me in the in the players' bar and said, "I want to talk to Adrian about coming out and and uh, potentially playing for the Sydney Roosters." Now I didn't think too much of it at the time, but then 
Then, but then Graham Murray got the head coaching job there about two weeks later. And that's when all the pieces of the jigsaw started fitting into place. But um, it was still a big decision. You know, I was um, I was still only 22 years old. Um, as I say, I used to travel every day from Salford to Leeds. I didn't want to move to Yorkshire, but never mind moving to the to the other, other side of the world. So uh, it was a big decision. But I thought, if I don't go now, I might not get another opportunity to go. So I made the decision to uh, to go. So but when you signed, uh, you decided to, to sign with the Roosters, were you coming to Australia thinking you are going to play under Mutz? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I did. The first year I was there, you know, he was the, the head coach. and um, But I just remember flying to Sydney Airport. I didn't I didn't realise how big the sport was in Australia. You know, in the north of England, it doesn't get much uh, recognition in the papers or anything. But when I flew into Sydney Airport, there was three camera crews there in the airport. And I thought... There must be a pop star or a film star on the uh, on the plane. Anyway, they come running over, and you know, I did the interviews. And the first week I was there, probably did probably did twenty interviews either on the phone or in person. And uh, that's when I thought, wow, that the game's uh, the game's massive over here. And uh, but yeah, so yeah, great Graham was the uh, you know he, he coached me for the first year. Unfortunately, you know, Graham got asked to to move on at the end of that that first year. That's when Ricky Stewart come in. Now, I just want to take you back a, a step because uh, there's quite a story, I believe, of your when you arrived in the country. You, you talk about getting interviewed at the airport, but uh, I believe the, the likes of Fletcher, Ricketson, Et al. took you for, for quite a drink, and I believe, uh, you know, it was it was a drink for drink for the ages. It was, actually, and, uh, you know... Sorry, not, can uh, we preface this by saying rugby league was a different time, mobile phones <laughs> weren't out, uh, culturally it was different... <laughs> It was a, it was a wonderful time in rugby league, a historical time, and please share every detail. <laughs> I can have, uh, I can safely say the statutes and limitations have passed, so you can't get arrested for anything that you're about to mention on this podcast. I don't think they'd ever arrest Morley. I think I think he got arrested once for an autograph. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, but that it was a, it was a, it was quite a uh, a serious drink. It was a serious drink. I mean, we, we had done a couple of weeks of uh, pre-season, and then so it must have been the lads' start. We'll you know. Let, let the shackles off and, and uh, have a good time. But I think it was Craig Wing's birthday actually, and we had a we had a house party for for Wingy. But then we went out. But then, but then you know, me coming from the Leeds Rhinos, where there was two three of us who liked to drink and you know to go out, and the rest were a bit bit boring really. This was fantastic in the fact that virtually every one of the squad member was there, and and they went hard. You know, where you know early hours of the morning, whereas in uh, in the UK it was a bit more subdued and get home for midnight kind of thing but yeah it was uh it was a great drink and it was a big night and i just i said to uh to fletch he said is it like this every time you go out and have a drink he went no it's normally worse than this we normally uh we normally go and uh have a dig <laughs> <laughs> moz you know you certainly um hit the ground running at the roosters and you become a fan favorite pretty quickly with your uh uncompromising tough style of play you know and and i guess a player like you uh you know is someone who intimidates you know you were never a dirty player we knew that um, you know, you were feared and respected by the opposition. But uh, some of the characters around you, can you just, uh, you know, describe uh, in, in whatever detail you like, you know, the likes of playing in that Roosters side? It was the golden era for us. It was a, a premiership winning, you know, time for our club. We hadn't had one, uh, you know, since 1975. We missed out in 1980 against the Bulldogs. And this was our hope and dream. You had some great players. Can you talk about some of the boys? Yeah, well, it was, you know, for me personally, it was just uh, really, really exciting to be in another country. But... The, the, the actual uh, the, the weather was a problem at first. You know, it was the middle of summer, and Gray Murray, because I'd played in the World Cup, Gray Murray let me have Christmas at home. And I dare say I'd had a, you know, probably overdid it at Christmas. You know, a few too many mince pies and uh, <laughs> drinks with the family, a few farewell dues. But then, so I got to um, 
got to, to Sydney, it, it was the middle of summer and I weren't used to the heat as well, but the, the boys, they'd had a probably a six-week block before Christmas and then, you know, I'd come in after a big drinking Christmas and I was I was way behind the, the lads. And But I just remember being being uh, amazed how fit the boys were. I mean, coming from, from Leeds, there was a couple of fit lads. You know, I was always, one, one of them was proud to say one of the fittest lads, but I, I was way behind, you know, Fitzgibbon and Simon Bennett, these type of people. Rico was a very fit lad as well. But it was great for me because it, you know, it spurred me on doing, doing the fitness and then it didn't take me long, you know, after a few few weeks or uh, you know a month or two I, w- I was up to speed with them boys but I was I was amazed I knew I knew they were, were a very fit bunch of boys and uh, but I used to love it you know once I got used to the heat you know training in, in the nice weather and uh, under the great Ronnie Palmer was, uh, was was absolutely fantastic. Talking about that team moving forward to, to 2002 Ricky Stewart takes over obviously we win a premiership but Ricky pretty much changed the way that teams defend. There was the, a lot more of the, the three-man tackle, but it was also attacking teams in defence. Something that, were, that you were, you know, well known for was just attacking players with the ball. Talk us through, you know, the training and and, and what you guys did at training to to put fear and intimidate other teams. Well, I mentioned, you know, uh, extremely fit squad, and I think I think the boys really enjoyed do, doing the fitness side of it. And, and when you get a bunch of lads who who love doing the, doing the fitness side, you're going to have a, a fit squad and we certainly had that but it was great because we'd all try and out, outdo each other at training, try and beat each other and that, and that competitiveness, you know, relayed onto the park and, uh, you know, if I'd shoot out the line and put a shot on, two minutes later, Craig Fitzgibbon, the other side would do the same, we'd just try and outdo each other in, in, in a good way because it all, all added up to, uh, to, you know, to the Roosters, hopefully getting the win, but but yeah, I don't think it was. Um, it wasn't spoke about in detail. It was just the the way we enjoyed playing, the way Ricky enjoyed coaching, and just that swarm up in defence. You know, the, the line speed, and it was something that suited us, and obviously worked very well because, as you say, we we, we took the title out in in two thousand and two. But but just just before that though, I uh, didn't have a great two thousand one. Me, me, me first year there at the Roosters, it was. Uh, bit disappointing in fact that I broke my arm halfway through the year and I didn't really feel as I showed uh, what I was capable of that first year and then Graham Murray got asked to move on and that's when I was uh, I come back to the UK and I didn't know where my future lay you know I was um, because I'd not had a great year and this new coach coming in you know I didn't know what, what his thoughts were but he rang me which was which was nice he said look I can assure you you're in my plans and we'd like to have you back and um, and that was um, you know good for him to um to say that and went back there and the second year was great I got used to living away from home which was it really was a factor you wouldn't think you'd be homesick for, for Salford <laughs> but living in Sydney but I was you know not having my friends and family around that kind of thing so I got used to living away from home and then you know my my form was, was good the team's form was good and that's when we won you know all them last games last nine games straight to to take out the title Mozza, uh, you know, we talk about Graham Murray um, being your first coach when you went to Leeds and uh, you know having the success of uh, you know uh, Wembley Challenge Cup. Uh, he coaches you at the Roosters, and then all of a sudden, Muzzers moved on when you have uh, broken your arm. In comes Ricky. What's the difference in styles between those two coaches? Yeah, well, because Ricky had only finished playing it a year or two ago, I think he was a, probably a bit more of aware of you know how the modern game works. But but you know, having said that, I used to love being coached by 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 uh, by Graham Murray. So. Different styles of coaching, but um, I think the fact that he had, as I say, he had finished playing uh, not not too long ago probably worked in his favour. But he was very much uh, a team 
team man, Ricky Stewart, you know, he won or lost with the team, you know. If we lost, you know, he'd have, he'd have a drink to commiserate. You know, if he won, he'd, he'd be there celebrating. So he was, uh, you know, very much uh, one of the boys, really. We played a uh, particularly good final series that, that year. I think it was a game against the Broncos. I sit next to Silky and just watching, you know, it was our era. We loved it. It was the, the boys we grew up with and we had the pleasure of meeting you and hanging out socially as as well as watching on the field. But as Silky alluded to before, there was an attacking style defence. We used to sit there on that sideline cheering you on thinking, oh my God, I would hate to be a Broncos player getting the ball <laughs> against this ferocious Roosters pack. And then we had the ability of Freddie in the back line, you know, we had wing at halfback. It must have been pretty uh, a real confidence giver to see so many great players around you at the time. Oh, but without a doubt, I mean the, the players you mentioned there. I mean, I, I come into the Rooster team. I the very first um, first game we played, it was um, it was an international pack. So uh, they, they, they took a photo of it. There was uh, Quinton Pongia, New Zealand, Simon Bernetti, Italy, Ruben, uh, Ian Ruben, uh, Russia, Russia, myself, English, uh, Brian Fletcher, Australian. And Luke Rickardson was Irish. Yes, you know, he was in 2000. Well, uh, yeah. well, when he wants to be, he's Irish, isn't he? Yeah. So, uh, but he did represent the World Cup. But, We're all Irish. And but I just thought, like. but, but I just thought, this is fantastic. You know, for uh, it was like the uh, the Barcelona of, of the the rugby league world. You know, to get these great players from around the world. You know, I know the majority of them are really really Australian, but I thought it, that that was great. And uh, when you've got the likes of, you know, Brad Fittler, arguably one of the best players who's who's ever ever played the game, I just thought, I mean, I mean, with some um, with some good teammates here, so I think I'm going to enjoy the experience. Well, we win the comp in 2002, and uh, you know, there's that famous uh, last try, Brian Fletcher's. There's Freddie Fittler getting hit uh, by Richard Villasante. Um, there's the the real theatre, you know. There's Wingy at halfback, and to the Roosters fans, it meant so much. What did it mean to you? Uh, to come out here and represent this great club, and bring us our first victory in, in over twenty five years. Oh, it, it was it was massive, you know. Um, growing up, you know, as I say, I used to take rugby league seriously. Watched Great Britain against the Aussies. That was the, the enemy, and the English players who went over to the NRL and, and, and represented, you know, which other club. Uh, there, there's not that many English players who've a played in a grand final or b won a grand final. And you know, when I was in the changing rooms, the the, the program. The headline was which which side will Marley join, and there's a list of English players who played in a grand final and won, and a list of English players who played in a grand final and lost. And the, again, there was about six names on each list, and I thought I want to join the, uh, the the winners list. And you know, to to join that elite band was fantastic. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, going over to the Roosters, I didn't know a great deal about the club, about the place, or you know where it was situated. I didn't have a group great deal of emotional connection however having lived there and you know in and around the roosters people i, I grew to grew to love the 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 uh the team and and the place and you know getting the win because they've not won it for, for 27 years you're right and uh you know nick politis he wasn't involved the, the last time they won it so to be involved you know the, the first time they won it for uh for a long time and to uh represent england and um and, and get the win was uh was truly great the next two years, it was a bit of a setback. You know, we, we made the grand final both in 2003 and 2004. We were going to celebrate the good times. We, we were commiserating the bad. Who can forget Toddy Byrne running down the sideline and getting bootlaced by uh, Scotty Sattler? And then even in 2004, if uh, Croc catches that ball, you know, he runs away and scores in reflection. Have you ever watched those games? I've never watched them, no, yeah. no. I've watched the, the, the one we won, but uh, I've never, never watched them, actually. But... Uh, it's funny, I got to play with um, 
uh, Tony Polatuya at Salford, and uh, he, he reminded me about the the, the Penrith final. But um, but yeah, I mean, at least them games we were in with a shout. You know, uh, it's not as if we got white, blew off the park and on another day bounce with the ball or the refs call. We, we could have got the win, but I think it's an achievement to make a grand final. I'd rather play in a grand final and not win than not playing one at all. So I think it is still a, still an achievement. The boys should be recognised for that, yeah. And plus we had the uh, the World Cup Challenge success in 2003. So I'm counting that as one of my <laughs> fondest memories at the Roosters. But but yeah, to play in them grand finals, win or lose, was uh, was amazing. To play in three three consecutive years was uh, was great. Was it just on that note in those three years, you uh, struck up a particular penchant for... Uh, facing Willie Mason and, and used to look at the calendar and salivate at the game against the Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, what was it about Willie that attracted you to his head? Well, because <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he was the best player, really. And, and as a as a forward and as, a, as an aggressive forward, I, I like to, uh, back in the day, you know, pick out their threats. And he, he certainly was uh, was a fantastic player for club and for, for country. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he he got the better of us in, the, in that grand final. But uh, but yeah, that little you know the, the game's great. But then you looked for the little challenges inside the game. You know the players you come up against your opponents, and uh, I used to love all the little uh, all the little the little side battles as well. Moz, who brought the best out in you in the opposition? Um, well, growing up, I was a, I was a huge fan of Gordon Tallis. You know, I think he was uh, well, he was a tremendous player, and um, I think. Looking at him from afar, I thought, "Wow, he's got a bit of a screw loose, that guy." But that's what made him uh, attractive to me, you know, because the because he was a bit of a loose cannon, and you know, no one knew quite what you was going to expect with, with Gordon, and he certainly had the respect of his opponents because they thought, "Wow, he's a he's a madman, this lad." And uh, so, a bit of him might have rubbed off on, on me a little bit, but Gordon was was certainly up there. I think Stephen Kern is um, underrated in terms of how, how tough he was. He was a tremendous player, but also very, very tough. Shane Webke, you know, he just kept kept coming all day. So there's that's what you, I used to find in the NRL, which is different to Super League. They didn't have as, as many quality players in the Super League as they did uh, in the NRL. And virtually every team had... Uh, had a Willie Mason or a, you know a Shane Webke, you know someone who was there, their go-to forward. So it was uh, every every week you had to be on, on your game. So as the club's enforcer, you're playing the Broncos against a, a Tallis. In your mind, is your objective to to hurt Gordon Tallis or take his head off or you know dominate him? What 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 were you thinking when? Because well, let's call a spade a spade. You got white line fever, right? Well, as soon as you run across that. That white line, the eyes rolled in the back of the head, and it was a different. It's a different Adrian Morley, the, the bloke that's sitting here. Well, just to try and stop him doing what he's what he's good at, you know. Um, so take his head off. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the, he's probably the one of the few guys who probably wouldn't because of just because he was that was that was that much of a lunatic. But uh, but no, yeah, just to try and stop their forwards being being as aggressive, doing what they do every week, just to try and uh, nullify that. I've got a couple of little stories I've heard from from other players that there were actually roosters, uh, mostly when you were playing in internationals against the Aussie. So speaking of Fitzy earlier today, he shared a story about the time he said he nearly peeled off Craig Wing's face. Do, do you remember that one? <laughs> I remember. I remember lining lining up for the national anthem, and I wouldn't look up at any of the Aussies only because. I knew because I knew these guys personally. You know, I loved them. They were my teammates. I thought if I'd look up, I'd have to let on, or you know, just to be nice. And I didn't want to be nice. I just wanted to have that that hatred, you know, coming into me into the game. And um, 
I mean, Wingy was is uh, a lovely lad, but he's a pretty boy, wasn't he? So I remember grabbing him, and I think I grabbed his nuts first, and then <laughs> gave them a squeeze, and then then I grabbed his head and pulled that, and uh, yeah. But then uh, he looked up and he didn't didn't say a great deal, believe it or not. But then, uh, but yeah, that's just oh, what I don't happened. Think he was going to just that, that's what happens on, on, on the pitch. But uh, good fun. I mean, uh, well, hang on, I've got a couple more. Go I've on got then, a couple. Go on yeah. um, Fitzy Fitzy shared a personal story where he said you guys used to talk to each other in the game, like have little chats when you were playing against each other. He said, and then there was one day, as you just did with Wingy, you just grabbed him straight on the dusters and wouldn't <laughs> let go. <laughs> well, uh, anything goes. It doesn't matter if you got friends. But yeah, I mean, uh, for eighteen minutes, you, you're not friends. Uh, but then, as soon as you know. Fritz is one of my dearest friends uh, in the game, you know, e- e- even outside the game, uh, lo- lovely guy, but, you know, for 80 minutes, you- you're not friends, are you? Moss, is that, is that the mindset, I mean, for, for the Roosters fans out there, the English fans, the Leeds fans, the great clubs you played for, isn't it funny that, you know, one day you're playing next to someone at a club level, you'll do anything for them, and the next minute you face off in an international game, is it your job to cut the emotion and kill the opposition is that as simple as that it is yeah but I mean don't get me wrong I mean Fitzy or you know Jamie Peacock or Barry McDermott when you're playing against them guys I wouldn't do anything uh, nasty or you know something uh, out of order illegal to, to you know hurt them but within the rules uh, I would do anything I could just to get get one over on them and um, yeah, it don't matter, don't matter who they are uh, but as I say after the game we'd have a pint and uh, have a chat and go back to normal well, Roosters fans, we are sitting here at the Moz's favourite inn here in Worsley. It's the Cock, and the ladies at the Cock uh, have bought us a lovely lunch. Whilst your lunch is still warm at the Cock, Moz, we'd like to make sure we uh, take full advantage of it. So let's enjoy a good old-fashioned Cock lunch. Well, Roosters Radio fans, welcome back to a special edition of Roosters Radio, coming to you live from the Cock. That's right, the Cock Tavern, home to the one and only Adrian Morley here in Wormsley. And uh, Bush, you know, we just had lunch. Well, you know, I was a, just going to say, Silky, Miles, the food here at the Cock is unbelievable. I mean, I just had a, uh, a Cock burger, and I've got to tell you, it was unbelievable. How was yours? Very nice. I've, I've been here for Christmas dinner, actually, so that's how much we like the food here. Lovely. Silky? No, well, um, we're just picking up where we left off. We were, you know, we, we've covered um, quite extensively a bit of the Roosters' career, and we've talked about uh, the, some of the people that Moz has maimed uh, during that time. But um, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say maimed; I'd say sort of helped to the ground, in a, you know, in a very aggressive manner. But w- look, we we kind of alluded to it before. But Moz, as a, as a person, you're one of the most kind-natured, gentle souls that you'll ever meet. But once you run onto that pitch, it's a different human being. Is that something that? playing football there was a something changed between the years or is that something you built when you you became known as an enforcer and that's something like a tag that you had to kind of hang your hat on probably a bit of both you know having played rugby league as a youngster i knew it was a pretty brutal sport so it's uh you know you have to you have to toughen up on it and i just i thought you know i want to be on top of the pile rather than at the bottom and uh getting getting laid on so uh you know so obviously uh used to enjoy the physical side of the sport but then as you say you know the, the more aggressive you are you know you do get labeled these tags and then 
the more you have to live up to that that, that name really so uh, but well, I, I enjoyed it you know uh, you know having, having the, the so-called enforcer tag it, it, it was great for me it was good for me uh, give me a goal and a focus you know when I'd go out there I'd pick a couple of their forwards out and just try and um, you know get get over them guys but um, but it, it was tough you have to I, I, I had to try and get myself really really wound up but I used to try and get myself wound up as close to the line as possible but then without going over the line once you're over the line you know you do something stupid like get sent off or something like that but so I had to try and well, that never happened no it never never happened but I used to try and get myself wound up but then not 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 too wound up kind of thing so it was like a, a balancing act every every game and uh it's funny, Brad Fitley, you know, he tells a tale. He used to come up to me before the game and he'd talk to me, but he said I was looking straight through him. You know, there was noth- nothing there. I was just zoned out and focused on, on myself and, and, and my game. So, uh, but that that's how I used to, you know, get get myself ready for games and everyone's different. But yeah, it, it was it was a tough, tough job to do every week. Mate, you, you, you had a few holidays courtesy of the judiciary. Do you, do you think, looking back, I'm being seriously, do you think you were unfairly targeted? Because as fans, we thought you were. Well... That that's the system in place, you know. Just because, um, I mean, apart from a couple of incidents, which which was you know uh, really out of order, you know, when it when a need uh, Corey yeah. Corey used, you know, that that was you can't do that in the game. But majority, if not ninety five percent of my uh, misdemeanors, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they were they were going in to make a, a genuine fair tackle, but mistimed it high tackle you know but but the, the system was if you've done a repeat offense in you know in a certain amount of time or um you've done that you know that that offensive forward you get a loading numbers the the points get loaded and and so it didn't, didn't work in my favor not that's not, not to say i'm i'm, I'm crying and I'm, I'm i'm complaining that's just that this is the system the way it was so you know i do something um quite innocuous and other other players would get maybe one game or even let off, and I'd get three games because of this uh, this this loading situation. So it was disappointing, you know, because you know, as you say, every every couple of months I'd have a bit of a holiday, but then um, but that that's just the way it was. So I, I don't think I was unfairly targeted. That that I knew what the the rules was uh, in place. Moz, uh, you know, you were known as the enforcer. We've just spent a bit of time on that. Was it ever the reverse? Did you get a, ever a period in your career or a game where you can remember having fear? Did you ever fear anything? Well, the first time I played against Gordon Tallis, I was playing in the UK at the time. I was playing for Great Britain against the Aussies, and uh, this was my hero growing up. And I, you know, I obviously knew how aggressive it was. And uh, I remember lined up and uh, we sang the national anthem, and I went along the line as you do. And I looked at Gordon; he was just staring straight at me, you know snarling and I just thought it can't be me snarling I was only only a kid I was only 19 20 year old I thought it can't be me went along the line I went back and again he was just staring at me snarling I thought oh I'm in for it here so uh, I didn't know what to do really uh, but then played the game and uh, you know I felt as though I held my own against uh, the great Gordon Tallis and then um, after the series I actually swapped jerseys with him and Gordon, he actually said, I've been watching your career, Adrian. I think you've got a, a big future, which for him to say that, you know, to me, it's, you know, one of my idols, uh, massive, massive confidence boost. Wow. No, that was unbelievable. I was just, sorry, I was caught in the moment of that story. I'm just visualising. Gordon, look at you like... Mate, looking at your career, you, you've had plenty of highs, plenty of lows. If you had to pick a couple, what are some of your fondest memories playing rugby league, both here and uh, in Australia? Well, just I know we've got the the World Cup challenge coming up, and you know that that was 
incredible for me because I got to represent the Sydney Roosters, you know, the club where I was currently playing, you know, near near my hometown. So that we played the final over at Bolton, which is only 10 miles away, but we stayed in, uh, you know, in Salford. So all my mates, all my family got to meet my teammates and they all got to watch the game. So, and we got the the win, a big win, and uh, I scored a try. So everything about that trip was was uh, very special to me. Um, my favourite moment for my rugby league career was when I got asked to captain Great Britain. Now, you know, as a kid growing up, I mentioned before, Great Britain was the be-all and end-all watching that. And I'd had played for Great Britain at this time, but to be asked to captain the side was uh, another level, in, in my opinion. It was uh, against the French at Headingley, again, where I'd spent all them years at Leeds. So it was... Uh, very, very special. And again, I scored a try that game and we got the win. Nothing wrong with that, Miles. That's straight in the pool room. Uh, you know, not just reflecting on the great moments in rugby league, what were some of the toughest times? I mean, rugby league's, uh, to the fans, it's a fairy tale, but to the players, there's so much of a hard work. There's a grind. There's time away from family. There's injury. There's confidence. Uh, you know, there's refereeing decisions. There's such a balance. What are some of the tougher times you've had to overcome and deal with? Well, uh, in injury, you know, that's part and parcel of our sport. Unfortunately, is. uh it's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport, so you are going to get these uh, bumps and bruises along the way and, um, you know, I've had a, I've had a few. Touch wood, not, not, not career-threatening, although there was one incident. The year we won the comp in 2002, I was having this chronic back pain, pins and needles in my legs, and nothing they did, nothing, no treatment come near, you know, getting rid of the, the symptoms, and they said, uh, the only thing we can do is surgery. Now, uh, I went in just before... I had surgery. The surgeon said, now, uh, 89%, you know, everything's going to go fine. You're going to get, you see your legs, um, back, back playing, no problems. 10% chance it won't work and you'll have these, this pain for the rest of your life. And I don't know whether you'll be able to play on, uh, your career. And I said, now I'm no mathematician, but that's only 99%. And he said, uh, oh yeah, there's a 1% chance something will go wrong. I'll, you'll lose the use of your legs. <laughs> so I thought, why would you tell me the odds anyway? Uh, but he said, don't worry, no one's ever lost the legs on my shift. So uh, anyway, I had the operation and, um, you know, thankfully it went went really well, but that really was a worrying time. I'd missed, uh, wow. I'd missed about four weeks leading up to the operation. Post-operation, there was about two months where I didn't play, but but all them things going, going through your mind, I was only uh, 25 years old thinking yeah, this course. could be my career uh, but you know the the broken arms and you know broken cheekbones, things like that. You're quite happy with, not happy with, but you can live with it because you know you can. Uh, it's only six or seven weeks out, but injuries is a, you know that that's probably been the biggest uh, part of the disappointment of my career, and and also the final game for the Roosters. I, I want to talk about that because it was. Uh, well, we're going to uh, ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, lo- love my time there, and and to finish in the manner it did was was really really. Uh, um, heartbreaking really you know uh, we weren't going to make the playoffs you know me, me playing in that game but just to be to be sent off you know with a shame getting a seven week ban in me in my final game really doesn't sit well with me you know I would like to have finished uh, on my terms but but that's, that's not the case Moz uh, you know you, you talk about the low times and you talk about that time but reflecting back um, at the Roosters you know you're one of our enforcers that come out to our club from England who is a great success story with the fans, you know. What message have you got to the fans uh, that, that love you and still you? There'll be a, a thousand people that listen to this podcast that are Adrian Morley people. The, the minute we put this on social media, say we're with Adrian Morley, 
people are going to get a big smile. They're going to reflect on the good times. Oh, just um, want to want to thank them daily. Really, I mean, they they took me in as as one of their own, and you know. In the UK, they're very vocal, the, the spectators, you know, they, they, they sing songs and that kind of thing. And they, they don't really do that in Australia, but they, they, they found a, a song for, for Morley and it was, uh, and it, it was great. You know, I say to my wife now, that was probably, uh, the fondest time of my full career, you know, playing in Australia and, um, you know, having the success we had and having the, having the lifestyle and experience we had. Moz, let's talk football now, uh, changing gears a bit. Saturday night, the Roosters taking on St. Helens. Uh, you know, uh, the St. Helens pack in particular, Wormsley, uh, Roby and uh, Luke Thompson. Johnson. Th- sorry, Luke Thompson. Um, you know, they're pretty, uh, pr- pr- well, they're world-class front row forwards up against, you know, our our pack of uh, Siwa, JWH and, and Friendy. What are your thoughts on those, well, on that battle in particular? Well, that, that's, you know, really, really mouthwatering in, in, uh, challenge there. I think, well, I know the St. Helens have been the best team in the UK for the last two years. And um, it comes down to the, the pack, really, that, you know, I, in my opinion, they're the two best English front rowers. James Roby seems to just get better with age. He's so consistent. I don't think they got beat at home uh, last year, uh, the, the, the Saints. So it's going to be tough for, for the Roosters. The fact that Saints have had a couple of games uh, in, in the Super League, they'll, they'll be uh, match fit. But, um, you know, it's going to be a, a mouthwatering uh contest and I think if I'm, if I'm not wrong if, if the Roosters win they'll become the most the team who's won this uh, competition the most times yeah, which, yeah. time, which is a fantastic accolade and um, yeah it's going to be going to be a great great game you spoke during this interview about how you got up for this game do you think St Helens will be up for it a bit more because they're into the their season a little bit or for the Roosters I, I mean we've been privileged enough to watch them train and see how much effort they're putting in but is it do you think in the mindset it's a little bit easier because they're in the rhythm already, St Helens, or is yeah. it the Roosters with the travel and everything else? Where, yeah. where do you see that? Well, it's going to be tough for the Roosters. You know, you've got the travel, but um, also the weather. You know, and some of these young Aussie lads won't have experienced weather like this. Uh, but as I say, you know, the, the the Saints boys, they're all English lads. They, they have played two or three games now, so they'll be... They'll be Match fit, but you know they're going to go there. They're not going to just make the numbers up the roosters. They're going to go there with a with a winning mindset. But uh, it's going to be great. I, m- I remember when when we come over in two thousand three, it was particularly bitter night. It was like minus minus five degrees, and when the final whistle went, there was probably about five minutes before they did the presentation, and I was jogging on the spot keeping warm. But some of the the Aussie boys, they didn't know how to keep warm and by the time presentation come around some of the lips were blue so we had to get him had to get him in the changing rooms get him warmed up before they got hypothermia <laughs> but it was uh it was good fun and uh yeah we, we you know we, we obviously did did a great job and uh we had we had a had a few beers to, to celebrate was it you follow the uh rugby league back home uh, on a regular basis and, and keeping a keen eye on the roosters i am yeah and i'm delighted for him um you know last year but you know, for when I was over there, it's so it's so intense and competitive. The NRL. When I was there, six different clubs won the won the competition in in six different years, and you've not seen a club go back to back since uh, I think Brothers. Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. So for them to do that is a, an absolutely incredible achievement. Very, very, very proud of them boys, and um, you know, I'm delighted the boys are in in my town to to um, 
defend the the World Club Championship. Moz, who do you like out of the current Roosters? Uh, is, there, is there someone in particular that's grabbed your eye as a player? It could be a forward or a back. Is there someone whose style of well, play I'm or f- just the way they carry themselves? I'm a forwards forward. Aren't I? So uh, I think big, big Jared is uh, is great. You know, I played against him. I was coming to the end of my career, but I played uh, against him for Great Britain. Uh, I was England at the time. And uh, we swapped jerseys, and I've still got uh, still got his jersey on. But he, he's great. He, he plays. He's a spiritual leader, mate. Well, he, he plays the game the way the game should be played, in, in my opinion. He, he's and, the uh, new Adrian Morley, right? Yeah. Well, that's nice, uh, nice accolade. That. So yeah, I, I I like the way he plays. I like him as a guy as well. So uh, I'd say big Jared. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a superior choice. If there's a if there's a chief in every village, he's ours. That's for sure. The way the fans see him, and and Suki only rightfully said yesterday, uh, our CEO Joe Kelly's joined us at the cock here. Um, he's a stats man. He believes that Jared's stats and your stats would be very similar in the number of send-offs, so it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and fines. <laughs> Moz, uh, we, we're just going to bring it to, to an end, but um, just back to the game for a sec. Give us a, a score prediction and how do you see it kind of unfolding? I think it'll be close. Uh, as I say, the Saints didn't get beat at home all last year. It's going to be a full house there at the... Um uh, totally wicked stadium, so the atmosphere is going to be great. That's another thing that the, the Aussie boys have got to contend with. Even though they probably get more people watching in Australia, uh, they make so much noise these these loudmouth pommies, don't they? So, uh, so they're going to it's going to be it's going to be loud, but it's going to be a great experience for for everyone. But I see it being a close one, but I think the Roosters will have just just a bit too much uh, power. I just think it'll be twenty points to fourteen for the mighty Chucks. And Moz, for our Roosters fans there uh, that got to know you, and there's plenty of them, there's not one word uh, said about you that's not with a smile and uh, great joy and great reflection. What are you doing now? Like, Give us an insight. You let us into your life when you come out here, and I think that's what we loved about you. There was no airs and grace. It was just uh, the humility was rife. What's Adrian Molly do now for a crust? How's the family going? And uh, whereabouts, what's happening over here? Yeah, well, when I did finish, uh, I stayed involved with the game for a couple of years, but tried coaching, you know, tried working on the commercial side and it didn't really float my boat. You know, when he had the uh, the enjoyment of playing, you get a release at the end of the week, whereas when you're not involved playing, I didn't really uh, find that. And, you know, when you're not involved playing and you're not getting that buzz, all your weekends I took up, all your summer holidays, Easter holidays, uh, I've got three young kids and I just thought, you know what, I'm, I wanna, I'm going to get out of this sport now. I still love the sport daily, but... I'm glad I'm not involved day to day now. So I've got a normal nine to five job and uh, my best mate, he's had a recruitment company for about 15 years, like a labor hire. And he's always said after the footy, there's a job here for you. And uh, uh, even it was a bit daunting coming out of the sport, but even after a couple of months, I knew it was the right move, you know, weekends back and and all that kind of thing. And uh, as I say, I still love the sport. Me, uh, me eldest lad, he plays, he's, he's quite good. And uh, so yeah, everything's good in in the Marley household. And I believe you're in the public speaking arena too. You're doing a bit of a keynote for the Royal Navy. Tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, since, since, you know, mainly when I finished playing, I got asked to do a few speaking gigs and um, I was never really, uh, a great public speaker, you know, used to get quite nervous and um, used to go red and that kind of thing. But I think the more you do, the more, you know, you, you get used to it more. And the first first few I did, it was just like a Q&A. But then um, the guy who did the Q&A said, you got some great answers there, but, you know, to go on the circuit, you need a bit of a script. So uh, I just sat down with him for a couple of hours. We, we written out this half an hour script just uh, about the career chronologically, you know, went through that and... Uh, Seems to be going all right, you know. It, you know, I've got probably uh, one a month, something like that. But yeah, the, the Royal Navy—it's their annual 
uh, Royal Navy uh, Rugby League dinner. They asked me to speak at that, so I'm uh, I'm speaking at that on on Saturday. So, uh, but I'm, I won't say. Uh, you know, the first few I did, I was that nervous. I thought I'm not doing this anymore. But now I'm at the level where I still don't love doing it. But you know, I'm a lot more at ease with it. You know, I don't start hyperventilating under the table before it. But uh, but yeah, once I've done it, you know, I can relax then and you know have a have a drink and meet meet a lot of uh, rugby league minded people. Moz, uh, they say behind every good man and successful man's a great woman, and I know you got one now, Claire. Um, you know, she's been a, a rock beside you, you know, for your whole career. Uh, you know, the back end in particularly, but. You know, you want to give a message to Claire and the family out there. You've got three kids. I love how you call your third one the surprise. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fans will laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. But a uh, message for the for the wife and kids. It'd be remiss of us not to uh, give them a mention on this great yeah, podcast. Yeah, well, well, well she, she loves, you know, Sydney and, and the Roosters nearly as much as me. She she spent uh, four years down there and, you know, that they were the great you know we know kids you know living in sydney it was it was the lifestyle so she she loves the roosters but yeah i mean i wouldn't swap the kids for the world and you know we've got three we've got leo who's 13 mayor who's 10 and um the surprise is four year old but he's uh a nice surprise but we've got two two boys there so i won't push him but fingers crossed they might they might play a bit of, of rugby league and uh see how they go but but yeah she has been my my rock and uh love a dealer well moz on that note mate i think I say on behalf of all Roosters fans that saw you play, thank you for your services to the club and uh, it's, it's great to be able to sit here in your local pub, have a feed, have, have a pint and uh, reminisce about, about the good old days. Mate, wish you all the best in the future and, and thank you for being such a, an integral part of that uh, Roosters 2002 side. All the best, mate. My pleasure. Thank you. Long live the Moz. There you go, fans. Red, white, the roosters, the eastern sun.